0: Welcome to the Afton Podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have a talented guest, Sean Brack, who is not only a skilled dancing choreographer, but also has an impressive portfolio in the film industry. With extensive training in contemporary ballet, jazz, tap, hip-hop, and vernacular styles, Sean has developed a unique movement that is sure to capture your attention. And as a sought-after choreographer and movement director, he has made a name for himself in the industry, with his creative works being selected for renowned film festivals, so sit back, relax. I hope the TTC ride isn't crazy right now, and get ready to be inspired by the multifaceted talent that is Sean Brack on today's episode of the Afton Podcast. So, what, what was the first project you choreographed on?
1: So, the first like official project that I would count as like a professional endeavor. Uh, was a short film called Deliverance. I did this, God, like, six, seven years ago. Uh, to be clear, I'd done, like, many projects. I uh, grew up in Edmonton, I lived in Vancouver, and I lived in Europe, and I did many projects there. But a lot of those were just kind of, like, building in terms of choreography. So Deliverance, I would count, like, my my first big project. It was the first one I entered in a lot of film festivals. Uh, kind of got my name out there in the film world as well. Mm.
0: Yeah. Did you have any struggles on it? And also something that you're like, oh, I'm going to use this XYZ method because it helps me um, so much in XYZ way.
1: Yeah, I feel like the biggest struggle is just like the fact that it was the first dance on film project. So different than say choreographing for like a live performance, uh, understanding how to move with the camera. Uh, It was my first time using the camera as, like, another body, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Instead of thinking of, like, the choreography just front-facing or performing to, like, one direction and or a specific audience. With the camera, obviously, you can kind of play with who the focus is directed to. Mm. So that was, you know, my kind of introduction into figuring that out on the fly. Um, And then I worked with this man named Axel. He's amazing. Axel Villeman. He uh, has... Red Label Studios, and uh, he also is developing this app called Stage Keep. Okay. And Stage Keep essentially is like a, a go-to, helpful app for choreographers to work on blocking.
0: that's Ooh. like Cliff's
1: Notes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, okay. But that's a
0: good resource. Yeah. That's so really
1: good having his like eye to like kind of tweak the choreography and and just give me a heads up like yo from this angle with this the way the lens is it's going to look like this Mm. or x you know so that struggle of kind of like working on the fly and also having a specific amount of time with dancers to like get the shot
0: yeah uh yeah you mentioned that well having a camera is very different than live performing uh in what sense? Because in my head, I was like, okay, with performing live on stage, you practice for a certain amount and then you perform it once, right? Um, whereas in like with a camera, you practice it multiple times and you do it multiple times, right? Is, am I getting the right sense there? Yeah,
1: I would say that as well as the idea of like, like you just said, like a, a live performance, it happens and the audience who's there gets to experience the magic on stage. But then that's it. Whoever was there saw what happened, right? Mm. Whereas on camera, it it lives as long as you want it to live online or <laughs> yeah. in whatever gallery that you might have been commissioned to present it at. Yeah. Um, so being super clear with the tone and just the way that it's shot. Um, A stage performance, you can direct the audience's focus, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the dancer, for example, would direct the audience's focus. Whereas dance on film, it depends how you want to play it. Maybe the camera directs the audience's focus and the dancers are just kind of like in in the film as Mm -hmm. like a, a third person type of thing. Or the dancer can direct the camera's focus. Like there's so many ways to play it up. So finding that clear contrast between stage and camera
0: yeah takes time. Is there a certain shot like is there a camera angle that you enjoy working with when you're in the camera mode?
1: Yeah, I mean this is like, I guess, a subjective opinion on my behalf. Yeah.
0: There's well, an... well, the whole thing is subjective, by the sure. way. Sure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <Duh.
1: laughs> I guess just because I'm not like the authority on like dance on film. But for me personally, an overhead shot I love. I was thinking that. Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's difficult to achieve. Like it's expensive. You need either a crane or... Or a drone or something. But obviously, the only way you'll see that is like, say, in a giant theater, if you're like the top, top, top tier, and the dancers look like tiny little specks. So it's like, with a dance on film, you can still get that in-person perspective, or you can get as close as you want, but see different pictures that you would not normally see. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
0: another thing, with invoking emotions on stage versus on camera, I I don't want to say that. Like one is greater than the other simply because they have their own dues. Can you explain the difference invoking emotions in front of an audience live versus invoking emotions in front of a camera and how, how you have to channel both? Because in my head, we're going back to the uh, shooting multiple times on camera. You have to keep a certain emotion for a certain length of time continuously Whereas with on stage, it's this burst that you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, you were like pretty succinct in how you just even described how <laughs> to do that. Like on stage, generally speaking, like you said, it's a burst and it's kind of like a one time thing and it's exhausting, but it's not like film where you might have multiple takes, you have to almost contain a little bit, but still achieve the same goal with every take on stage. There's also the component of understanding that you're performing for the front row and also way, way, way back in the, in the space. So knowing that you want to find an authentic performance quality, but also be pretty animated with it. Yeah. 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 Whereas film like picks up every minute detail in your fascia tissue which is both great and also if you're super expressive like my i always get told my eyes are like a little too expressive and this is not in a dance perspective you're good you're fine you're fine (laughs) (laughs) but on camera to be super aware and like even you referencing multiple takes non-dance related like a, a reference is like zendaya in a recent euphoria episode where it was this crazy episode of I don't know if you watch it for you. I do not. I do not. I I
0: watch the. Okay, this podcast is now over. (laughs) (laughs) My my stuff is very wacky. Like uh, I'm I'm on the. I I enjoy watching international stuff more than I do Hollywood things. Oh yeah,
1: I mean, for sure, there's so much to gain. Are you watching Severance? uh don't hate me i'm on episode four and then i tracked off
0: a little bit so I have to pick it back up <laughs> yeah I, I gotta do the same uh, yeah you, we're we're gonna be watching it tonight perfect so it, it's gonna like, but okay i was the- gonna i was gonna one-up you there and be like okay the podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs> but um yeah sorry for diverging no there. i uh, made this
1: entire reference of For anyone who's listening who doesn't watch euphoria as well like there's an episode where she just had to go through like an array of emotions and um and it was pretty high octane there's a lot of fighting with her family which obviously fighting with your family is so nuanced because they know everything about you and i'm I'm just making this entire reference because finding that emotion over and over whether you're like an actor or a dancer is tapping into uh, a lot of acting principles well, that's what I personally use when I'm directing dance on film mm. on a smaller scale because usually it's not – I haven't done anything that's incredibly deep. Yeah. Um. Some concepts have been deep, but in terms of the performance that I need from the dancers, it doesn't have to be that deep as of yet. Um. But there's certain acting principles that will apply to a dance on film versus a dance on stage. Uh, I used to do improv acting for four years, so a lot of those principles tie into like – uh, surface emotion that reads well on camera, for example.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm. So uh, what I've found is that to become a great artist or a, a good artist, you you have to channel into other aspects of the arts or or even just the world, Sorry, you can't be solely good at just drawing, for instance. What I have also found out is that just like everything else, right? Uh, me having pen and paper saying, okay, I can draw with pencil, pencils, right? That's just a tool, right? There are many other tools. And you could also look at that in the grand scheme of things of, say, the arts, right? Um, For instance, I want to become a production designer, right, in time. Uh, That's the goal of the goals. And I have to have this array of knowledge, right um i figured hey I, i'd have to study a little architecture here i got to know how to sculpt i have to know how to do 3d design like sort of that thing and that's that's what i'm getting from you yeah. right? is that you have kind of found a way to use dance as a tool so yeah that's what i'm getting from you. And that was, that's quite interesting. And that's what makes a- an amazing artist, I find. Um, moving to the other question, which is very similar. Did you have anything to say? <laughs> no, <way>? no. I'm <laughs> interested in the <your> question. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking back at uh, that project that we mentioned um, and your other works following it, um, even up till today, how have you developed as a choreographer and dancer? And yeah how how is your work different from back then? What improvements have you seen um throughout your years of performing? So in terms of like how my work has
1: changed, a lot of it is actually <laughs> similar, not in terms of like the actual choreography, but in terms of the the concepts or your overall ideas, like referencing that first project, I talked about deliverance, Cliff's notes general ideas uh, were like a, a duality in um, in energies or in personality, uh, insert word, uh, there's a duality <laughs> there. And then a lot of my projects since then, while different in themes, always kind of naturally incorporated duality. So you even referencing like a few minutes ago, like having all these skill sets as artists, which uh, I feel like is just like a very... Thing, big thing in Toronto, like a lot of people just are either on the hustle or interested in so many different things. Mm. You find that duality in your art, right? Um for me, my duality with my works comes with like me, Sean, <laughs> the person Sean, and then the choreographer Sean. and mm. um, in simple terms, I could go in deeper, but I'll just leave it there for now. So, yeah, I would say a lot of my work is the same in that regard, but in terms of like, how I've grown, I would say the biggest thing is just feeling more confident in the product, and also understanding that uh, you don't have to throw everything in the kitchen sink <laughs> in yeah. a project. Yeah. Um, understanding your audience, whether it's super broad or not, or who you'd like to focus on. Like, yeah. You know, I, uh, I there's a strength in creating a product for everybody, and then there's a strength in understanding that you have a certain voice or person you want to create for and I wouldn't say I'm super specific but I do have kind of like a style that not everyone would love and some people might so I feel you on that yeah I was gonna (laughs) say your work is pretty specific as well so like
0: (laughs) yeah and you clearly have a very strong voice with your work so no likewise honestly likewise and um, just hearing that you have a specific theme I I feel like that's when as an artist, you really feel like you've made a breakthrough when you subconsciously have a a theme going on, you know, your next work somehow relates to your previous work without you even knowing. Uh, you come back, say uh, a month later, six months later, and you're like, Oh crap. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You're like, Oh crap. Um, I like this work is somewhat similar to this other one. it has um themes that work co and co that also leads into when when did you or not when did you because you can't be like hey like i found my calling but <laughs> wh- when did you realize that like you are an artist you know when when did you feel like hey like i i am actually an artist and i have a voice and I have a theme. When was that? And how was that for you?
1: Yeah. Well, there's two ways I can think of this. Like, I I would always, I always felt like a creator. I never really felt like, um, I never really wanted to be, even when I was younger, uh, a a dancer in the sense that I always had ideas and um, creatives that I wanted to create and pursue from a young age. Um, I... Yeah, I was always kind of like not wanting to be part of the process, but leading the process. Mm. <laughs> um, but in terms of feeling like set as a creator or, or realizing, okay, this is this is my my time, was uh, shortly after uh, moving to Toronto and right before creating that Deliverance film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Deliverance film was created more so out of just like a need to create something versus um thinking i needed to create something for like i don't know publicity or to get my name out or something it, that first project was truly just out of a need to create the idea yeah um so I, I i felt around then was like okay this is how you you know if you have if you feel like you need to make it versus just doing it for i don't know hype or clout or whatever um for me that's when you kind of understand okay this is where i'm supposed to be
0: yeah so it's more it's more doing it to benefit the inner you type of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. There's, we're artists and we still have to profit off of our arts. So there's yes. definitely the idea of like, the end goal is both to create something, but also, you know, to fund my career.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, I feel pretty confident in saying like a lot of the work I've created has, has been out of. A necessity yeah and it's coincided with the fact that yes it helps my career as well yeah. but it's never been as of yet like uh creating to stay relevant or creating to stay hype or whatever
0: you yeah know? um i'm gonna diverge a bit and sure i i have to ask because we were talking about this and also china mentioned yeah it, how was it working with china she's an awesome person lovely yeah. lovely human being um, so you worked on a project with, yeah. w- with her, right? You're the choreographer. Am yeah. I, am I correct? It's
1: more so for that particular project, <laughs> like movement coach, mm-hmm. the directors, uh, Mark Claston and Hope Little had like a very clear cut concept. They're just, they were awesome to work with as well. Um, China is just so clear on her voice with her music. Yeah. And uh, tone and just like, yeah, the idea for that particular project was very clear. So I feel like I kind of walked in with them already setting the idea. And I was just kind of helping them almost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like they were very in control. So that project was very easy in the sense that it wasn't like an easy choreographic process but every every moving part was easy and everyone worked really well in tandem
0: yeah yeah she she talked about um how she enjoys being around people that that are easier to flow with um yeah. and yeah i was i saw a picture of you on her post and i was like is that Sean? That, <laughs> that looks like the world Shawn is small it's very small <laughs> no the world yeah. is the, the world is tiny right <laughs> it's pretty tiny um Hearing that there are some people from South Africa makes it even smaller. For yeah. Me, right? <laughs> like, that's where you're from originally. Um, no. I'm, a, I'm a complicated one. <laughs> right. Um, so I was born in Zambia. I grew up. Uh, I'm mixed. Right. But born in Zambia. I grew up in South Africa. I call myself South African because I was there from like four, four years old. Right. I, I grew up there. I do not know what Zambia is like at all. Wow. Um, and then I moved here to Toronto um, after a bit, and yeah, well, sorry, moved to PI and then Toronto. All wow, right. <laughs> PI, moving, what a contrast! Oh, my God. <laughs> right, um, but Joe, I, I lived in Johannesburg wow. um, to be precise, right? And like a factor that made me come here is the CN Tower because it looks like. If you check uh, a tower called the Talcum Tower, it looks very similar to the CN Tower. And the moment I came here, me and my father were visiting, right? And I saw the CN Tower and I was like, I, I have to come here. This looks like the Talcum Tower. This looks like <laughs> where I grew up, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, safer for a fact, right? <laughs> here um, the, yes yes oh wait way safer um i'm not gonna go into that area <laughs> sure <laughs> that's another story uh, yeah that's that's another story i, I don't want to like I, I loved south africa right um amazing place a uh, beautiful place um i hope everything goes well for south africa because it means a lot to me yeah right that, that nation as it's all um anyway So you and most artists, well, every artist, right, venturing into their career has come across roadblocks, and we have to learn from these roadblocks uh, how to, like, become the better artists that we can be. So what roadblocks did you come across during your career, and how did they challenge you? and? How did you solve these roadblocks?
1: Yeah. I mean, like not to be cliche, I'm not going to go much into this one, but yeah, dare I say pandemic, like for everybody, oh, it just yeah. was a hard stop. But if I went like to more specific, cause I'm like, cue the eye roll pandemic to every artist, you know, <laughs> was not doing well. Um, but I would say like, so I'm not, I grew up um, middle class. So like coming to Toronto where there's, I'm from Alberta originally nice yeah well (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i mean i never knew the word no like i feel i've always felt very privileged uh growing up saying that when i moved to toronto like the extreme wealth in toronto with some of these families that grew up and especially in the dance world so i work a lot for example in the competitive dance world yeah where there's um a lot of very privileged dancers who come from a lot of money and I make that reference or that example in the sense that a lot of dancers are lucky that they get to pursue just dance and they just get to focus on dance here which is amazing and I wish that was the way for everybody for me um I had to have jobs to support my dance career yeah. Do you know what I mean like luckily I've been in the place for I would say the past 10 to 12 years where um, it's just been dance, and that's been mm. that's been my career, period. Yeah. But, you know, like, just the build, the focus to get to the place where I am now. I did a million other jobs in conjunction with dance to fuel dance. So, that is more so, like, a very uh, indirect answer to your question because it's not, like, a specific roadblock. It's tiny little roadblocks along the way, Yeah. which yeah. Um, I don't know, like, if you can relate, but... Yeah, just trying to fund your career. And so, um, yeah, it takes more time, you know, yeah. than if you just went gung-ho on your
0: dance yeah. career. I find that, would you, I, I guess it would be an expensive um, venture or activity, right? Dance? Uh, yeah.
1: It can be. Yeah. If you go the route Like that, contemporary would be. Well, it so. depends. Yeah. Like if you go the route that I did, which was a competitive dancer route, mm-hmm. yes, it can be expensive. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. But there's a million ways to to learn dance vernacular. Yeah, that's just the way that I grew up and I went about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much immersed in that world as a teacher. Um, so I, I understand that world. But there's yeah, there's so many other ways. Yeah, that could be less expensive.
0: Yeah. Um, I find that a lot of uni students, or not not just uni students, even like straight out of high school, right? Um, we have this idea that, okay, we can make it solely being an artist, right? Like we're going to get into the world and we're going to be the top artist. We're not going to have to have any other jobs, sure. right? Like that's the idea and that's um, from the ideal perspective of um, a whole career, but that's not necessarily what you get. You like, as you said, you work multiple jobs. Yeah. Right? And you kind of have to do that as an artist that I feel that's an important thing is to be, to be able to fund your art and to make, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Right. Um, from my perspective and I, I've talked about this with, I've mentioned this with a few guests or already. Right. Um, jack chan china we talked about how you don't have to have the you don't have to have the best equipment to do your job um you, you can have the bare minimum equipment it's just how you use it how you utilize um all the equipment that you need it's a tool in the end it's not it's not um the biggest the baddest everyone needs it to start it it's not like hey I'm going to give an example of tennis, right? It's not like you have to have the best, like you have to have a racket, right? To play tennis, wh- yeah. whether you like it or not, you need a racket. But do you need to buy a $1,000 racket? No, you can buy a cheap one and go on from there, right? Utilize, yeah. get get your skills going, um, get your muscles moving and you can become a better um, tennis player. Same thing with everything else, right? You don't have to have the statler pencil <laughs> it's <is> nice <laughs> to have that though okay for i, sure, I but... love those, those where is it from germany i believe yeah. those pencils are good <laughs> right um the 2b was my favorite pencil. <laughs> <Go> <laughs> or to wait wait 2b b2 b2 i think it's b2. <laughs> I, I don't remember i haven't drawn in so long but that was my favorite pencil dark crisp mm. chef's kiss
1: (laughs) no it's funny you say that like if I if I think of the dance world specifically like myself for sure when I first started creating dance on film I was like it has to be 4k or nothing like Mm. you know um and then there's dancers now who are doing these like low well now it's kind of a thing for some reason on social media to do like low quality uh iphone yeah. Videos. although speaking of iphone like everyone has an iphone or some kind of cell phone and iphone now is doing like low grade cinema quality options yeah. so like just to contest to what you said like absolutely um i think people create mental roadblocks or think like oh god i need to have this product or this choreography has to be immaculate before yeah. i put something out i'm not saying put out a product you don't feel you know, strong about, but, um, agreed with you. Like, yeah. Yeah. People put limitations on themselves for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I, I feel that especially, especially being in like my, my part of the arts, right. It's all like, I have to have it this way because I envision a project. It's going to be, um, it's going to be magnificent. I'm going to have this piece that's gonna have hands all around it and a halo that's round and it's gonna be amazing and I'm I'm gonna paint I'm gonna um what cast it in uh, epoxy resin right and I'm gonna paint it to look like super realistic and it's gonna be real looking um and then in the end I just create um, a cement version of it <laughs> right I don't have yeah, a halo in the halo of course end, and that looks great yeah right um like e like just being happy with the, the progress that you make. You don't have to look at it. This is taking on, by the way, from um, utilizing tools, right? With the tools that you have as well. And looking solely at um, gaining, your, gaining skill from that. that. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? So looking at that, you're like, oh, man. Like whatever you make, be happy with it right it's progress because you did learn something new I-, I learned how to like the what i described to you um you're like oh whoa, whoa whoa and then i was like cement man i learned how to use <laughs> cement the the best part is that people think it looks like um what's it called uh pottery clay right well, i forget pour uh, not porcelain um, I forget, but people, but people think it looks like pottery clay. Right. Um, and I'm like, well, no, it's not, but I know I, I gained a new skill. Right. So just look at it that way and just go on from there. Anyway, yeah. Um, I can diverge quite a lot. <laughs> so return home. Right. Yeah. We, we got to talk about return. Sure. Home. Um, so with director Mark Klassen, is yes. that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, it's inspiring, and I I just want to know what the process, y- your process was like, the entirety of it. So, yeah, like from start to finish.
1: Mark, uh, God, this must have been fall of twenty twenty. He reached out um, and said he had a few ideas. Um, that he wanted to shoot. He's a cinematographer, director in Toronto, slash he travels a lot now for work. He's quite in demand. Um, And yeah, he had this very clear concept. He was the same director as China's video. He's just always very, (laughs) he's got a very clear concept always um, and how he wants to articulate it. So in this particular case, it wasn't really my idea, but we definitely collaborated. Um, It was kind of the idea of... um, isolation let's just say the word Mm. isolation and there's a bunch of different themes but that was the biggest word that we drew inspo from so um it was pretty quick actually we just uh met a few times for coffee just kind of uh figured out the plan because we knew it was going to be one day shoot Mm. um and it was going to be a long outdoor shoot in this remote island that he found in ontario and um, i was going to
0: say PI. It
1: looked like everyone was like, "Oh, you flew out to the East Coast for this video." Like, no, it was um as an hour. Actually, I'm not telling you the location because I don't want people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want people knowing. Yeah, but it was it was, it don't was plug close. Tio. Don't blog to. Don't yeah Tio. exactly. <laughs> Truly oh, oh, crap.
0: I, I wasn't supposed to say that, but anyway, <laughs> like everybody says that here. Please let's go on <laughs> exactly.
1: So yeah, we just met a few times. Uh, the last few times we met in um a park and hope little who was the Mm -hmm. co-director slash wore a lot of hats that day came and just kind of played with like movement quality but a lot of it on the day was just them directing um and me improv essentially there wasn't any set choreography because the setting there's so much to play with on the setting right there was like an abandoned lighthouse um a beach there's it's actually like a bird sanctuary for a specific type of bird where they oh. yeah where they nest so it's only open to the public four months out of the year or something like that four to six that's months that's quite interesting yeah and then otherwise it's very dangerous because the birds are very protective and they attack
0: oh so, they're aggressive yeah oh. so when we
1: went the birds had already flown south yeah so there's just these like incredible old nests we weren't ruining their nests or anything they were already kind of decaying um Yeah, and then they, that was my job. I just worked with them one day. Um, We got on this little dinghy boat for an hour and a half in the middle of like Ontario, found this island, and then they took it and ran with it, edited it, got it colored, uh, worked with this amazing musician. Hmm. Um, So my involvement was quite minimal and really enjoyable. They kind of took and ran with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you had any other gigs that are similar to that? Um, you did mention like with China, was, yeah. was, was that the same type of?
1: Exactly, and I think it's <laughs> it's funny. It's like in my head, I was like, no, I haven't had any other gigs. But some of the gigs that are have been like that have been with Mark. Um, ah, uh, it's it's interesting. I was longing for years for like a fellow collaborator. Mm. Um, I've worked with a lot of fantastic talent, but a lot of my projects, uh, I feel like. Are either one-offs in terms of like the working relationship for no other reason than that's just how it worked out, or um, yeah, or just everyone's busy, like everyone's doing yeah. their own thing. Yeah. So, um, or a lot of my projects are very specific in terms of what I want. Um, so it was cool working with Mark on those two projects specifically because uh, they were his ideas that I kind of walked into.
0: With that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the previous conversation we had sure about um like our uh our emotional approach yeah. uh, and um and the way we like with the burst of energy versus um like sustained, sustained performance energy. quality for yeah. sure so firstly i believe that we could relate that w- with our works we tend to have this raw um type of emotion right connected to it so like if it's not too personal no right, go ahead what past experiences do you use to draw emotions into your work
1: well like if i'm getting very specific with the idea of duality so I identify as a gay man so a lot of my work pl- plays with um perhaps like not necessarily a mental struggle but there's um i find at times in the dance world, which is very accepting, um, that you still have to present as a dancer a certain way in order to book a job. Mm -hmm. Luckily, in the past few years, uh, queer identifying individuals, it's kind of like in vogue, if you will, dare I say that? Um, But a lot of, if you're, say, in the musical theatre industry, which I'm not, Mm -hmm. but I just know what it's like in the musical theatre industry, and a lot of other commercial industries uh queer identities are more so a novelty okay so understanding that you have to figure out in a space how to interject that personality okay. or not yeah in order to be successful or accepted or taken seriously um yeah, I mean, has it been like a crazy hindrance to my career? Absolutely not. I'm yeah. not saying it has been, but there is that knowledge that it could be. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it be a hindrance for a lot of other fellow creatives who are very, very openly queer um and have to m- bounce around a lot, move cities often because either they're tokenized or yeah, not taken seriously. Compared to people who are straight identifying. Um, This is just, again, just my subjective experience. I'm not saying this is how it is in Toronto. It's just my observation.
0: The whole podcast is subjective. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just being clear. But um, yeah, so I would say, um, yeah, tapping into that idea uh, of duality of how much you want to share and and this doesn't go for just being like a queer person this could go for many different factors for any different type of identity maybe you're female identifying and you walk into a space it's all male type of thing you have to figure out how quote-unquote masculine you have to behave to be taken seriously i've Mm. noticed this a lot on sets for
0: example um yeah it's quite interesting the way you put that. that yeah there's a whole psychology of it it's like It's a trash thing to occur, but then, like, anyway, I find everything interesting, and I like looking at things from two perspectives, and what you were saying was like, oh. um, Do you not find your identity comes out in your work? I do. It really comes out in my work. Um, It's my work, I have found, deals with a lot of isolation, and it deals with uh, contradicting notions and that is that's my entire like upbringing it, it's very contradicting you grow up and the community is treating you differently and then you move elsewhere and the community is treating you um heavenly it's like <laughs> like what why are you yeah. treating me so well you know and you don't
1: even um, fully trust you know yeah
0: yeah it's like i i want to but then like i'm still shy of, of it it's yeah. happening slowly but but that contradicting feel is still there and that's what I invoke in my work my work is very paradoxic paradoxical paradoxic uh, eh. anyway <laughs> <you down>. <laughs> <laughs> my work has this paradoxic element to it and I find that's just uh, that's just myself yeah. being like hey like my world, my whole upbringing is a paradox, and i I don't know it i don't I don't know how to conquer it, so I tend to just embrace it, yeah, in the end, what's the difference between being a dancer and being a choreographer?
1: um so simply put a dancer performs movement that a mm. choreographer sets, okay, yeah,
0: okay, so, how is your transition? from being a dancer to becoming a choreographer and it, it's very similar to what we were talking about and what roadblocks did you have with that transition? Yeah
1: um to be honest, like I uh, I didn't work that much as a dancer like I, I grew up dancing, sure um, but I was always creating like i mentioned earlier um and you know i had i had some career as a dancer i i just don't love never did the process of being in a rehearsal uh without having some kind of control <laughs> <laughs> and um and i yeah i just i like the idea of exploring my own uh ideas so the transition was not really that gradual it was always yeah. there i was always kind of like dancer choreographer choreographer was always building from age 17 mm, yeah um so i would say the transition specifically more so happened when i moved to toronto um and when i started creating more dance on films saying that i would still do the odd corporate gig um or commercial which is like dancing in a tv show or
0: what's it like i know we're dancing on a tv bit. and film
1: at yeah. long and tiring <laughs> a lot of hurry up and wait Usually uh, the day will start with like hair and makeup, sign in. You go have your breakfast, which is great. You wait a few hours, then you go to set. You dance really quick, then you go wait some more. Um, Saying that I love being on set, it's exciting. Dancers, Mm. unfortunately, in Canada for some reason are treated like uh, not well is the nicest way I can put it.
0: That's Um,
1: Treated like lower than the furniture pieces sometimes wow yeah it's uh i mean dramatic but truly like it's (laughs) it's rough and in the city and it's so competitive and um yeah but um so yeah my transition was yeah it was pretty swift i guess or Mm -hmm. gradual but swift when it started uh when it started being more consistent um, yeah, and roadblocks in terms of the transition is similar to what I described earlier. Yeah. You know, you have, to, you have to eat, so it's not like you can just go poof, I'm a choreographer. You still have to do jobs as a dancer or, you know, insert other title to get to a choreographer. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like finding validity or um, people really seeing you as a choreographer, I still feel like I'm working towards that. Toronto, specifically, is very insular and very uh, there's a lot of gatekeeping with the choreographers who are working all the time in film and
0: TV. Can you elaborate on gatekeeping?
1: Yeah, um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. We could have spent the whole time on this podcast talking about that idea alone. Um, So gatekeeping, just the idea of it or...? Or in choreo- choreographic sense? Um,
0: the idea of it. I, I'd just like you to elaborate so I could get a full understanding of the sense. Sure.
1: So in this particular case with uh, choreography in film and television, which is where I'm building, mm-hmm. um, there's a hierarchy, if you will, just like any career ever. Um, and in Toronto, unlike when I used to live in Europe, for example it doesn't feel like there's a lot of reception to new ideas or new creative talent Toronto loves to keep what's working and that's what makes money that's what's profitable Mm. so they're not really interested in the best particular person for the job I find at all times Mm -hmm. saying that a lot of the choreographers that are working are fantastic at what they do so it's not even that there's Bad choreographers. Yeah, There's fantastic choreographers. It just happens that the wealth isn't being shared. And when I say wealth, I mean the wealth in um, creatives, not necessarily yeah. money. Yeah. Um. So that's a roadblock for myself and many other budding choreographers. There's a lot of incredibly talented people that I'm. I would love to see get the job. I'm not saying just. I hope I get the job, and uh, I'm sure. Maybe you could agree there's a lot of artists in your world that you're like, they should have got that gallery, I don't know, exhibition or instead of the same, you know, person who's had many opportunities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I find with, um, with galleries, it's a lot of older people, mid-aged people, right? Correct. So (laughs) like, it's really hard to get into the gig or like in order to introduce yourself to a gallery, that's a whole process of its own. Um, and yeah, I'm just not down for that process. But then yeah. like that is completely, it's filled with competition, a mm-hmm. way like a lot of competition. However, like getting back to film though, is that like I look into film and there's like Like when I started looking um, into, hey, like artists needed, right? You rarely find those, right? Like rarely find them. But then when you do find them, they're a lot. Yeah, And it's like it's a whole world that artists don't realize that they can make a living from um, in there. By artists, I mean like people that sculpt, draw, uh, anything Mm -hmm. with the that's type of supply of things um yeah like there is a lot of money to be made from that yeah. right and, and not a lot of people understand it but then from the gallery perspective that's just competition that <laughs> that like one yeah. percent of people can yeah. get into right and
1: it's like you said there's um like the gallery world for my limited experience and even like likening it to uh the tv and film world it's there's like um I don't want to say ageism because that has a, a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. almost um, whereas in, I keep referencing Europe because I feel like Europe just loves like ideas. They don't care about the age. Mm. You know what I mean? They're just like, who's got the great idea that we can explore and same with the States. But yeah, here I just feel like if there's a certain age and there's a, that gatekeeper word that I bring up, which comes with yeah, the, the people who are all around the same age who keep it in the, the family, quote unquote, you know. Mm, mm, I feel you. So, that. thank you for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you teach,
0: yeah. Right? Who's your target audience in there? First, Ooh, like, uh, are you asking?
1: literally anyone and anything. Like I, <laughs> so speaking of like uh, a Joe job, I'm doing quotes for that. Um, mm-hmm. That that would be. I'm lucky to call that my my Joe job. I love teaching. Um, I started teaching. From uh to make money, it was a way to make money. Um, and now it's it's my primary source of income outside of
0: choreography. Congrats!
1: Thanks, and it's uh and I love it, which is great. Um, and I do teach all ages, less so now. Um, but again, I I am immersed in the competitive dance world, which is um, it's just extreme Mm -hmm. training. Um, and that's all ages. Um, and then I used to teach consistently weekly drop-in classes in Toronto for beginner adults, professionals. And I've had people up to like, I think the oldest person who took my class once was 72. Um, So, and the youngest I've taught has been babies. Like I've taught Montessori school when I first moved (laughs) here for a job, teaching kids how to be tigers and snakes and whatever, you know, like creative movement. Yeah. So now I find myself primarily just teaching professional adults professional dancers and uh you know the odd wedding dancer mm-hmm. i love doing
0: things like that as well so, so that's interesting
1: yeah as an example of yeah. the odd
0: job so what qualities does a good teacher have from this is My subjective <laughs> i was gonna say because woo, i'm not trying to get is this people what, popping off at this me. is
1: subjective
0: yeah um what qualities does a good teacher have and How does the quote unquote good teacher, how do they adapt their approach to better fit their students in regards to and not limited to age, skill level, uh, skill level, ability, et cetera, et cetera?
1: I mean, like that question is almost like an answer in itself. Like I, I feel like to be a good teacher is understanding the level of each student and Mm. going into a room and very quickly analyzing as you're teaching already the skill set. And say you walked into an advanced dancer room. In an advanced dancer room, there's still going to be different skill sets, different tiers within the advanced skill set, right? Yeah. So understanding as as a good teacher how to curate your class and create not necessarily options, but... Um, movements that are available for all skill sets, even if it is, say, an advanced dance class. Um, yeah. um, finding different language to explain things. A lot of people have, you know, they might be on the spectrum or they might, you know, there's so many different things in there, um, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily like you won't notice that right away because dancers in a dance room usually aren't very vocal at first. Um, and sometimes not at all in a class. So understanding how to use different language, how to be super expressive physical, uh, with your physicality rather. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also above all, I find is uh, not having any ego as a teacher. Like yeah. the class, I find a lot of newer teachers, this could be any age, not necessarily younger teachers, newer teachers want to show off their movement or show off, their personality and forget that their goal as a teacher is to enhance the dancer's skill set and make them a better person or dancer because some people aren't necessarily taking class to become a professional yeah they're taking it for an activity you know um a social experience so um how can they take the tools that you give them as a teacher to like their job as like a a financial advisor (laughs) you know or or whatever so yeah, removing any ego as a teacher is important, and I find not just in dance uh, that ego is huge for a lot of teachers and a oh, lot of people become huge teachers. for everybody. Truly, yeah, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I'm not saying I'm I'm not perfect, of course. If I'm like you know, created a super awesome phrase or combination that I'm excited to share. I want people to be excited and I want them to like react when I'm teaching. That's an ego component. Yeah. But that doesn't neglect from the fact that you have to remove that while you're teaching and helping people.
0: Yeah. Can you give me an example or we're not name dropping anything, right? <laughs> I'm going to give an example first. You have a class. Everybody is excelling except one person. How sure. do you work with the person that's struggling needs and how do you make it so that they don't fall behind the rest of the class? Sure. Um, there's a million different ways you can answer that. I guess yeah. it just depends. It's on- a very broad question. Yeah. I'd have to give like a, spe- a very specific example, but yeah. I'll keep it broad because I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> so it
1: depends. Like Speaking of understanding people's uh, learning uh, approaches some dancers you'll find just want to hide in those moments um so my go-to usually is to instruct the class to continue working or grab water or do x uh and then i'll i'll physically go over to the dancer Mm -hmm. and and just ask if there's anything i can do or just go straight into explaining and just moving with them um as like a fellow team member almost Mm -hmm. um But yeah, that's that's usually my go-to. There's there's a few other approaches, but um, yeah, it's really just analyzing. Like I don't want to say you have to do like a psychological analysis (laughs) of a person, but kinda, (laughs) yeah. Because you're not just most people going into a dance class aren't going in just ready to learn. They're taking all their baggage from um, their coffee date they had an hour earlier or something. So it's never just like okay, let me teach the move and and approach it like here's the steps, you know, just taking into consideration that
0: other people had had a day of their yeah. own and probably went through some crap yeah
1: or yeah had an amazing day and uh, but that's that's goes back to the idea of like having no ego because you can go into a room as a teacher super prepared and like hyped and excited to teach mm-hmm. and I've taught many classes especially beginner adult classes where they just came from a workday and the workday might've been awful or they might just be looking for like, you know, a lift. So they're coming with an energy that's like really heavy. Yeah. And you're, you being me are like a clown at the front of the room, just kind of almost performing and hyping them up Mm -hmm. and then bringing that energy up so that we can all be on the same page. So, Yeah. yeah. So if a dancer going back to your question is struggling, it's like analyzing first of all, well, this has nothing really to do with maybe even my choreography or the teaching. It might be their day that's in the back of their mind. So, yeah, it depends how to approach that.
0: Yeah. What are the preparations you think are very important that a teacher should take in preparation of a class and and the outro of a class that makes it worthwhile for their students? hmm just
1: ensuring that everyone feels like they were acknowledged is huge for me. Um, yeah. I find that especially like in the commercial. I say commercial because there's like company world with contemporary, which is a completely different process than the commercial world that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Commercial is more like you come in with like a five, six, seven, eight, and no, one, That's ten. what I'm
0: thinking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the company world is f- Phrase and task work based and oriented and the process is completely different. But I'll just leave that because that's not really my uh, realm. So for my commercial contemporary classes at the end, there's a pressure because of social media and just making sure your work is still relevant to get a video or some kind of product that you can then promote for the future for your future classes or to continue to promote your work that I find can really mess up the energy in the space Mm. um and it makes dancers feel like they weren't acknowledged in the room so i find it's really important because i'm really appreciative of whenever people take my class for two reasons the energy exchange Mm. and second of all they're paying my bill essentially like they're (laughs) they're taking their time out of their day to spend their money to learn from me yeah um i'm not naive to the fact that that is expensive as a dancer having been in that life myself so making sure that everyone got the same out of the class and also that i got to see them and that they were present in the room and acknowledged is super important for me Mm. so there's a few ways i'll do that but but that's kind of my answer to your question is just making sure and i hope most teachers do that as well because i do find again going back to that whole ego thing i know i sound cynical but if it's you're, yeah, if oh, you're a teacher important. and the end goal is for you to get an amazing video of you doing your choreography, w- what was the focus of the class, you know, yeah. yeah, having other people learn and take your class so it looks cool on video that there's people packed in the room isn't the one, you know, like, yeah. it, and it shouldn't be. So for me, it's just making sure everyone feels valid in the space.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, and what about the preparations in the beginning? Yeah,
1: so it's just very simply put, like creating, for my particular class, it's creating choreography, adaptable choreography. And I say adaptable in the sense that even if it is an advanced class, there might be people with a lower skill set. So finding ways to
0: make that choreography adaptable. So do you mean like, say you have a move where you... I don't know the. I don't know the term. Let's go. Let's hear it. <laughs> you do the the spinny one eight one uh, one eighty. Let's go uh, three sixty. You you do the spinny three sixty uh-huh. and then you go like woof, right? Like say a person I'm literally doesn't... gonna put that
1: exactly in a, a combo like tomorrow. <laughs> Spin it one eighty and go woof for sure.
0: So let's say for instance you're you have that right, yeah. and a person can't do it. Are you saying that you? find a second thing yeah like there in in other words what i'm trying to get to is do you create secondary moves um for the Mm. most challenging moves yeah yes um
1: usually it's like on the spot that kind of thing like if if i see that someone can't articulate that a difficult movement technically speaking Mm. um i'll provide multiple options and I think that's just something that comes with confidence and time as a teacher that you could just like analyze in the room and figure out what works best for a skill set yeah before when I was younger and started teaching I'd have to choreograph like you know specific counts and specific shapes but now it's just kind of figuring out what works best I'll have my go to like this is the set phrase and then uh, along the way, I'll provide options. You know, a lot of people have injuries as well. Yeah. As you get older as dancers, or the floor isn't sprung. Sprung being, well, yeah, I just, don't, I don't know what to do. uh, I was gonna say. <laughs> Google search it if you haven't sprung, but I'll, I'll
0: have to do that. It's
1: essentially like um, there's the way they lay the floor. There's like a tiny little bit of space and a bit of bounce, and oh, it's just okay. to help yeah. with the ergonomics of like knee support and making sure you don't get injured. That um, is so interesting. Yeah. That's
0: a- new concept
1: legally as like a physical space a gym or a dance studio legally has to have it a lot of studios don't do that because it's very expensive Mm. so knowing that that could affect a dancer's performance comes into like preparation for choreography there's a lot of things to have in mind as you prepare for a class
0: but yeah whoa yeah i just learned something (laughs) new (laughs) yeah okay we're gonna verge yeah and let's go it. go into my field here so okay cool you sketch yeah i've seen some sketches <laughs> yeah how um not necessarily how but then the first question being do you use that uh as another creative flow um to incorporate in yeah in, in your choreography yeah
1: yes and no um but when i first started sketching it was like Eight years ago. Yeah. Um, it was more so just um, like a hobby pastime, some other artistic form to explore and de stress almost. Um, and then over time, especially the past like three years, I started kind of changing my style a little bit. And there's a little bit more uh, simple like line drawing, um, very, <laughs> very like aesthetic. Like I feel like it's such a thing as soon as I started doing it thinking I was unique in doing it. I'm like, oh my God, it's like Pinterest galore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but that idea, I referenced the line drawing because the swoop of like how I I sketch or even use like a Procreate app or something like that, mm-hmm. that which you're probably like, ew, what like not Procreate as an artist. But for me, I'm, I love like, it. like,
0: oh, Procreate. Uh, I know, you're it's, cringing it's for not, sure. <laughs> it's, it's not that I'm cringing. It's just like... I just feel like my level of work would be very limited. Oh, with Procreate. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? It's a very yeah. basic
1: program. Like, well, you can do amazing things with it, but in terms of, like, artistic ability, it's very limiting. Yeah. It's a very specific type of art. But I, I guess I just made that whole reference in <laughs> the sense that, like, for my line drawings that I do on there, mm-hmm. the swoop of how, like, it articulates on the, the iPad or on a, a paper, if I'm doing it on paper, mm-hmm. um, that I've definitely seen, like, like when I first started really getting into it, I would go to bed and just, like, have these, like, vivid dreams of movement turning into a pen or vice versa. And uh, an easy reference is this choreographer called William Forsyth. And he did a lot of like, this is older. I don't even know if it was eighties or nineties geometric shapes in relation to the movement. He would have his dancers do improv tasks. And then as they were doing it, they would draw like these geometric lines to show how to use physics essentially. So like, That idea, I remember as a teenager, like, being really drawn to, pun fully intended. And then then now as a sketch artist, um, those lines, like, I feel like creating in space when I create choreography uh, on a larger scale, obviously, than just a pen. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it's all the same thing
0: to me. Do you ever use your drawings to inspire your... Uh, or art, choreography no. Or, or
1: yeah not necessarily I, I keep them pretty separate um yeah. especially because my line drawing when i first started were very like sexualized like they were very <laughs> yeah so i stay away from that with my choreographic works as of now mm-hmm. um so it was the the drawing and the sketching was kind of like a completely different mindset or outlet, a creative outlet yeah. that I hadn't explored with choreography in terms yeah. of themes. Um, but yeah, maybe someday I have done a few, uh, just like silly rotoscoping videos <laughs> <laughs> or my art where my dancing story turns into some sketches, type of thing, and oh, moving yeah. sketches. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, like that, so that's
0: some. Other animation. I'm not good at animation. I commend anybody uh, that can do it.
1: Neither am I. It's very simple. It's it's very cute, <laughs> but it <laughs> but it's that's
0: kind of the only time I've paired mm. that. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, this is something that I'm also interested in. So, say I'm a beginner in dance. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, and I'm I'm interested. What qualities should a dancer acquire to become a better are you talking uh,
1: about in, on the way to becoming a professional dancer? Or yes, just...
0: Yes. So, I'm starting and okay. I want to become a professional dancer, right? Um, and like, I, I'm just a beginner, right? And yeah. Very little skill set. A quality example, I guess, would be mobility, for mm. instance, to, to becoming a professional. Or, I would say... The, or even skill sets.
1: Sorry. Uh, skill set. It just... Yeah. Skill set's tricky because it depends on like the route you want to take.
0: Let's say I'm going for your route. Oh, um,
1: <laughs> well, that's, you know, for my route specifically, I, um, without being like pompous, I'm pretty diverse with my training. I am like Eurocentric, technically based in terms of technical training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because hip hop genres are also a technique and people forget to call them as such. Um, but then I am trained in like, like when I first moved to Vancouver, I'm from Edmonton, but I moved to Vancouver and I lived with the B-boy. And so I started doing breakdancing. Um, not well at it, but I learned the vernacular, some basics, you know? Um, and then he was also a Lindy Hop instructor, which is like a West Coast derivative of hip hop, uh, swing dancing fusion. Um, so like those kind of genres, you know, and- add a few more to the mix. There's a lot. <laughs> than that. So for me, you know, I I would say if you wanted to go my route, just finding diversity in your training are great qualities. Taste testing, uh, different styles and not getting pigeonholed. But above all, like if you went my route or any route, it's just like having a strong work ethic and understanding that it does, it takes time. You yes. know, the 10,000 hours thing exists for a reason. And yeah. I've had many people adults specifically over the years (laughs) teaching i'm rolling my eyes um and i don't mean to but just having taken maybe like three beginner classes and then going like how much harder is your advanced class i think i'm going to try it next week oh and my analogy is always like well how do you think you would do if you went to a first year law class and you said what if i just jumped into the fourth year law Mm, class mm. there's this knowledge of like especially now that people are seeing that like tiktok is around they think well, boom, they're making money off of doing like a TikTok dance. How hard could it be? Yeah. You know, and not fully understanding uh yeah, the work ethic. So finding strong work ethic and patience and knowing that it's a process, I think is like the biggest quality no matter where you take your your dance. Um, but yeah, it bears repeating patience with yourself because you might do amazing in class and you might mess up two eight counts or two moves. And I find people love to beat themselves up over that, but forget to acknowledge the progress along the way and honing in on the progress. So yeah, patience and strong work ethic for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, the outcome may be very different, vastly different, but then the progress that you have made leads you on towards the end goal. Yeah. Like if there is any end goal, right? For the most part, the end goal is just another goal. <laughs> Truly, right. because
1: as we know, like you could have a very specific goal in mind, but there there will always be something that kind of diverts you along the way, and just understanding to free flow with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, just as humans, we're thirsty for more. Yeah, right. It's it's in our very nature. We're never satisfied with what we have. Right. Um. <laughs> Truly. Whether big, whether good or bad, like yeah, <laughs> like you you can interpret it in any way, but then that's just our nature. Um. And like, you could use that to thrive, man. Yeah. In in your field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What about as a choreographer? What qualities should Mm. they have? What what qualities should they keep in mind or work towards um, to become the better choreographer that they can be? And this is someone that ideally wants to be like you.
1: Yeah, I would say understandable patience, again, applies to both a dancer and a choreographer, because oftentimes a choreographer is there to help facilitate facilitate mm-hmm. could be in the accounting department or it could be in the creation. Like it could be a, a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And on that note is understanding that as a choreographer, the creation of the steps or the movements is almost at times it can be like the last thing in that process. So understanding that you have to work collaboratively with people and, and take in what they're, desires are yeah is huge and then adaptability is also huge as a choreographer going into a process and having a very set idea with a piece it's not going to help you because it's yeah. going to have to change unless of course you're you're working in say a musical theater field where it's like the character has to be on this spot at this time because that's what they're singing you know but in my world there's so much freedom so um with freedom comes yeah adaptability and understanding that you will have to do a lot of changes on the fly,
0: yeah, that's another quality that I believe everybody should have, yeah right is problem solving I find if you count problem solve, then that kind of that kind of states that you are not very like your array of skills aren't sharpened, mm-hmm. you know it, I find that problem solving is very important because it just gathers all these other skills that you have acquired yeah
1: and in terms of like as a choreographer if you were to work on a set the setting the staging um might change or the lighting might change how the choreography is supposed to be the director might come in last minute and say oh it's not working try this instead so uh problem solving like you just said is like huge yeah (laughs) probably like the biggest thing to keep in mind i love that you put it in those words that's amazing Thank you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Resources in the city. Yeah. These are important for everybody. Um, And this is something that I find uh, if there is one question that I would ask every single guest Mm -hmm. that comes here, it's what resources can artists, dancers, creators, what resources can we utilize in the city that are readily available for us and that are that. Don't break the bank, in other words. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and this could be, say, XYZ studio space. This could be um, grants. Like, it's a very broad question. But yep. um, for the most part, what resources do you believe um, choreographers and dancers and teachers should utilize to become the better self they can be? Mm.
1: Yep. So, cost effective, you know, taking a class in a studio can be expensive. Um there's a lot of online resources now like a lot of studios especially since the pandemic have created apps and or online platforms where you can do like a 30 day free trial so you can just like get a quick taste and then you can kind of pay accordingly after that
0: I tend to yeah <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not supposed to say this because this hurts me in the end i i have multiple emails for that stuff so i just keep renewing <laughs> that 30 days yeah <laughs> but
1: anyway but the, i don't i'm i'm not even hating on that because i've tried that to just to one do like a, a product test and see like what what's working what's not mm-hmm. and then also seeing some of these teachers that I, I don't have access to in the states for example see what their class is really like um without fully committing because you might not like it mm. um and then so it's a win-win in the sense that you're you're trying it it's cheap if you love it you can put more money into it if you have the money if not no stress yeah um there's a lot of a, like a lot of dancers will meet in fact um there's the underpass in toronto that that was like a meetup spot in pandemic and same with um the bent way. Like there was a lot of dancers who would meet up and kind of just session yeah. session, not necessarily even just hip hop dancers. Cause sessioning has like a hip hop connotation. A lot of um, contemporary dancers would, would move there as well. A lot of whackers, which again is kind of like under the hip hop umbrella mm-hmm. uh, sort of. Um, yeah. So that's kind of more so knowing people, but because of social media, it's really easy to get to know people. And, as scary as Toronto can be uh, in terms of, like, feeling intense with, like, the energies in the dance world, people are pretty welcoming. Um, and if you're willing to learn and you go there with the right mentality, like, people are willing to help you uh, yeah. get your feet wet. Um, but, uh, yeah, mostly online resources, truly. There's a lot of websites, of course, that provide, like, Dance Ontario provides great resources for cheap studio
0: rentals. Mm-hmm. Um yeah um out of curiosity like i know how grants work Mm -hmm. the with my part of the arts right and i guess with film it would be like okay write a grant um to create xyz film i if if you know how do grants work with um choreographers and dancers if that's yeah thing because i have no idea
1: it's that. it's not really my thing. I have doubled a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's not my thing because I don't have post-secondary education. Um, and the government loves to ask that question okay. as a prerequisite. Okay. If you don't have it, they don't recognize you as a dancer, which is funny. I just saw this <laughs> social media post of this dancer, <laughs> Kim Gingras. She's in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, she just did like a silly little TikTok of like um, – Kind of a joke about like people not recognizing dancers if you don't have post secondary or any artist, and then listed her credits. And like she was Beyonce's double, um, at a certain point for like a (laughs) solid two years and all the visuals, yeah. Um, they just had the same body type, and she, you know what I mean, like and her list goes on. So that was a tangent, but that was me just being cynical and petty, (laughs) saying that I don't really mess with grants because they don't mess with me, like that I've applied a few times and. Um, And also, to be fair, maybe I wasn't fitting the profile because I know a lot of dancers who don't have post-secondary who still get the grants, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's similar probably to what I imagine you would go through. It's a lot of, um, you know, if you're emerging, then you provide examples of works, um, but it's mostly just a lot of writing, um, explaining your idea.
0: Yeah, I had to write one up. Uh, oh, recently? Um, Yeah, someone um, encouraged me to write one up for this podcast, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, well, okay, like, it's not going to hurt. We'll, we'll try it out, right? So, yeah, it's a lot of write-ups. It's a lot right. of, like, what are you going to do with XYZ budget? Yeah, <laughs> and
1: that's even you right? just saying that, that little nugget for people who are looking to write grants is knowing your budget and just having some idea. Asking a million questions to people who have written grants before and Mm. try to understand where the government will allocate budget funding to and just knowing the dollar amount that you're kind of going to spend
0: grants grants are weird man yeah like um so we're on to the last question actually yeah let's do it (laughs) um so you kind of described this but then i'm more looking for an in-depth now i have this habit of like um Kind of beefing up what i'm gonna ask yeah her, right? um i just realized that i was like okay and he's like okay what is this question what is this question um anyway so how would you describe toronto's dance community and who are some choreographers and dancers and instructors you look up to in the city
1: well first of all the dance community to the first part of that question is mm. incredibly eclectic and diverse in skill i find and this just goes back to this reoccurring theme i keep mentioning of like the hustle in toronto and just working as a dancer or choreographer in, in canada and just the opportunities being a little bit more slim yeah so having that like diversity in your knowledge saying that a lot of amazing talent are like super set on their skill set and i've really honed in on it um to answer your question about like a choreographer or choreographers one name comes to mind like immediately is AC Mensa. AC Mensa has just like completely blown uh, the the path forward in terms of like what we think you should do to be a choreographer out of the water. Uh, in what way? She's just curated an entire career based off of um, her, basically. So she created a show uh, years ago called Shades. It's about mm-hmm. shadism in the mm. black community. Um and has done many iterations of that. Um, she's a TEDx speaker. That's cool. <laughs> like she's <laughs> incredible. Um, she has worked with CBC to create, um, works. She is integrated in the Stratford Festival, which is predominantly like musical theater. Mm. So taking her her work and just kind of like it's just the fascinating how she's kind of fused her work into different avenues of the dance world. Um, that isn't necessarily, like, specific to what she does. Yeah. Um, And she's done it in the most authentic way. It's always been her voice. There's never been... I've never felt like there's been, like, any outside influence. Like, it's just mm. very clearly her carving her path and creating new opportunities and people really gravitating to her energy. And I wanted to bring her up because, um, speaking of gate keeping she's just bypassed all of that yeah um and is one of the leading voices i would say and uh she's young Mm -hmm. (laughs) like she's she's uh yeah she's incredible